Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends. And she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one. And the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kid's imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th and we are totally going, so check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kid Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Bechtel, and today we have the thrilling conclusion to the Saving Tubes adventure. This is part four, and I hope you like it. I never thought a horde of awful little goblins would actually make me feel safe, whispered Mia, as they all followed a mass of green goblin through the cave tunnels. It's kind of nice having an army of little green men to lead you through some evil caverns. Yeah, without these goblins, we'd be in quite a pinch right now. There's so many pathways here, we'd be lost for sure, agreed Juniper. I just hope they're taking us where we want to go. The group was jogging through the caves, following the goblins, in search of the red dragon's lair and hopefully old witch tubes. I just want to find Granny, added Juniper. I want to be out of this place. I know, me too, said Mia. Where's Tulsi? She's still up front with her new best friend, Steve, laughed Juniper. Those two are inseparable. At this point in the journey, no one knew what day it was, or exactly how long they had been searching in the caves. Every once in a while, they would pass little skylights, long holes burrowed in the mountain rock up to the outside that let in sunlight. They didn't know what day it was, but they certainly knew they'd been jogging through the caves following these goblins for hours and hours and hours. All right, yelled Momo, and the goblin horde stopped and turned to him. It won't be any good getting to the dragon's lair all winded and out of breath. Let's take a break. Steve, how much longer? Close, said Steve. The group stopped and sat, eating what food they had left. Finish all your rations, guys, said Momo. Eat it all. We'll need all the energy we can get. Mia and Juniper looked at each other. The idea of being without any food was a bit scary. The idea that they would soon encounter the red dragon was even scarier. Maybe Steve can find us all some more food. You know, later, for on the way out, said Mia. Yeah, said Juniper. Hey guys, we're close, said Tulsi as she and Steve walked over. I can't wait to see Granny. Hopefully she can just teleport us out of here after we beat the red dragon or something. I can't imagine walking all the way back out without a, a fish sandwich or some pancakes or a... No more food talk, said Juniper. 
I'm hungry enough as it is, and these adventure rations aren't so tasty. The group finished up their food and rested for a bit more before Momo approached Steve. All right, buddy. Get us close so we can sneak in. The group continued through the caves, slower this time. The cave walls were completely black and wet. There were mysterious sounds that seemed to come from all around. No one said a thing as they slowed to a creeping pace. The tunnel got narrower and narrower. They could see ahead where it got so small that only one person at a time could go through, and there was an opening so small that a grown-up would need to crawl down on his hands and knees. Now that opening was partially blocked on the other side by what looked like a big pile of junk. Old boxes and burlap sacks and pieces of wood and discarded weapons and tools. And through that opening, at the end of that small tunnel, there was light and movement and sound. There, pointed Steve. Stay here, said Momo. Everyone watched as Momo crept very slowly toward the opening. Once he got close, he crawled on his stomach and went so slow so no one would see him. Now, once he reached the end of that hallway and peered through the junk pile, he saw the largest cave room he had ever seen. Probably the largest cave room in existence. It was massive, which made sense since it needed to be big enough to house a dragon. Momo didn't see the dragon, but he did see many other creatures and wizards. And every creature in this large room was busy. Wizards were mixing potions at tables. Trolls and beasts were repairing tools and making new weapons. Some beasts were cooking over campfires. Along the wall, on the far end of the room, Momo could make out little jail cells that were cut right out of the stone wall and had iron bars for doors. Inside those little cells... Momo saw the rest of their party. Ben-Ben was standing up, looking through his iron bars, surveying the room. Gray, Tim, and Ray were all in their own cells next to him. And on the other side of Ben-Ben was Tubes, sitting on a stone seat, with her eyes closed, probably meditating. And there were other large openings and doorways in the room. Momo returned to the group and relayed what he saw. Tubes and the other ninja are being held captive on the other side of that room. The red dragon isn't there now, but he could be any minute. And the room is full of... everything. Wizards, witches, ogres, minotaurs. Minotaurs? asked Mia. I thought those were made up, or like, extinct or something. Yeah, me too, said Momo. We can't handle all those creatures out there, not just us. We need to somehow free Ben-Ben and the others before we do anything else. Hopefully, we can block the cave entrances somehow so we can avoid the Red Dragon altogether. How do we free the others, though? asked Bulise. It's all the way across that huge room. We can't just waltz in there and... I can, interrupted Steve. Then he turned to his goblin horde and quietly said, Goblin key? There was a shuffling and a small goblin girl emerged from the group and handed Steve a black key. Mia peered at this mysterious key, and it seemed to be a blur. She could see it looked like a skeleton key one second, and then appeared to be a smaller key, and then it seemed to bend like it was made from taffy. Goblin key open any lock, 
said Steve. He put the key in his pocket and strolled right out of the tunnel and into the main room. Momo had not considered that goblins were a common sight here in the caves, and they would likely be ignored by most other beasts. Steve was afraid, but he knew his goblin horde would come to his rescue if anything bad happened. Steve had seen into this cave before, but had never come inside. Goblins could go pretty much wherever they wanted in these mountain caves, but they were still smart enough to avoid the red dragon's lair. No one paid him any attention as he crept confidently through the mass of creatures, past campfires and cauldrons, past hairy beasts sharpening their blades, past tables full of potions and powders that smelled awful and beautiful. Steve tried to wander through everything. He didn't want to seem like he was heading straight for the jail cells. Momo was watching him from the doorway, waiting to give the signal to attack in case Steve was found out. Momo knew what he would do if Steve couldn't get the job done. He spied a large hammer propped up against a wooden rack. He visualized himself grabbing, grabbing the hammer and then leaping onto the wizard's tables and running on the tables with the hammer until he reached the cages where he would use the hammer to smash the locks and free the others. His body was tense as he watched Steve and prepared to spring. Steve reached Gray's cage first, peeking in through the bars and looking under the door. It was no surprise to anyone in the room that a goblin was lurking around the cages. They figured he was just looking for something to steal from between the bars. Gray looked at him angrily and through gritted teeth said, Get out of here, goblin! Steve climbed the bars of the cage, holding on to the lockbox that had the keyhole carved into it. Using his body to hide the keyhole from anyone who might be watching him, Steve slid the goblin key into the lock and whispered, Wait. Gray furrowed his eyebrows and waited. He knew better than to burst out into a room full of these beasts. He searched the room for any clues and planned his first move, upon escaping from his tiny cell. Steve wandered in front of the cells, slowly climbing the bars on the doors and silently unlocking each one. Now the heroes were standing at their cage doors, looking out among the mass of enemies and preparing for the moment to attack. Steve meandered all the way back across the room and into the slim hallway. Momo was impressed. Well, that's done, he said. Girls, First thing you do is find your way over to your granny. Goblins, you guys go out first. Nobody starts fighting until I give the signal. Everybody ready? Steve nodded and began walking down the narrow hallway with his loyal goblin followers right behind him. Tulsi tried to catch up with Steve, but Mia grabbed her hand and held her back. Goblins go out first. Momo said so, Mia told Tulsi, and she reluctantly waited to go out behind the ninjas. The girls couldn't see out into the room, but they could hear the goblins shuffling out of the narrow hall, and at first nothing happened. And then the noises of fighting and the clanging of metal on metal, and it sounded like weapon racks being pushed over. The second Momo stepped out of the hallway and into the large room full of beasts, he screamed forth a battle cry, and the ninjas in their cages knocked the doors open, and tubes ran out too. The sound was incredible. The girls were in the hallway when all the fighting started, but the roar was so loud it made them cringe. It scared them. 
Once they pushed their way out of the hallway, there was one second where they paused and stood in shock of all the mayhem. So many beasts and creatures roaring and growling and fighting, goblins launching themselves at monsters, and the ninjas were spinning and swinging and stabbing so fast they were like a blur. In that one split second, the girls felt a fear like never before. If it weren't for the ninjas fighting with them, and the fact that their granny tubes were so close, they might have panicked and ran. Mia yelled, Let's go! She grabbed Juniper's shirt, and Junie grabbed Tulsi's shirt, and they all ran along the wall of the cave trying to get to the other side. It might have been faster to go through the middle of the room, but the fighting was so intense there, Mia was sure they would get separated, or worse. The three girls ran along the wall, passing through the goblin horde as they viciously attacked the beasts in the room. They were ducking and dodging and were almost halfway there when a large ogre fell directly in front of them. So close, the girl's hair was blown back. They hustled to get around the beast, but just as they did, it reached out and grabbed Tulsi's leg. This ogre was as big as a house. It had a belly so big all three girls could fit in it. You would think that a creature so big would be slow and lumbering, but this ogre was as quick as a fox. He snatched Tulsi's leg and she screamed instinctively. The ogre stood up quickly, holding Tulsi upside down by her leg. She was screaming and swinging at the ogre, even though she was too far away from him to do any harm. The ogre looked at Tulsi curiously, obviously confused at how a little girl had gotten so far into the caves of the Black Mountain. He didn't think about it for long, though. Juniper and Mia turned in time to see him tighten his grip on his club, which he was holding in his other hand. In a flash, Juniper launched a fighting stick right at the ogre. And as usual, her aim was perfect. The stick clocked the ogre right in his head and bounced off as if it had hit a rock. The ogre didn't even flinch. He only glared at Juniper as if to say, You're next. Before Mia could take action, there was a green blur from the edge of their vision. A massive hammer slammed into the ogre's side, and his entire body slammed into the stone wall next to him. He dropped Tulsi to the ground, and she scrambled over to her sister's. They stood surprised for a moment and watched as Steve the Goblin lifted the hammer once again and landed a devastating blow to the ogre, slamming him against the wall again. It was baffling to the girls how a troll, smaller than Tulsi, was wielding a hammer that must have been as heavy as a horse. It Steve was swinging the hammer like it wasn't heavy at all. And he didn't look like goofy old Steve either. His face was crumpled and filled with rage. His eyes were glowing red and his crown was glowing green. He was hissing and growling and roaring as he mauled this ogre who was ten times his size. The true Goblin King. Mia grabbed Juniper and Juniper grabbed Tulsi and they continued their trek across this massive room full of fighting and danger. While the three girls were rushing to their granny tubes, the rest of the ninjas were engaged in a thrilling battle. Tatiana had found a pile of quivers filled with arrows. There were hundreds of arrows, and she climbed to the top of a large weapon rack and began thwipping arrows across the room, hitting her target every time. Bulis was at the base of the weapon rack, fighting off enemies who were trying to get at Tatiana. Gray had burst forth from his cell and grabbed a large hammer of his own. No one knew much about Gray's past, 
where he had come from, where he had lived in the dark forest, but whatever his history, it must have involved lots of fighting. He used his hammer and took on all creatures near him. His fighting was fearless and messy and loud. Tim and Ray were working in a circle with Ben-Ben, teaming up on larger creatures that they normally couldn't take on alone. And Master Momo was a flurry. Momo had trained in martial arts his entire life, and it showed. He spun and leaped and dodged so quickly and precisely that most enemies didn't even see him coming. And even if they did, they did't stand much of a chance. "'Granny!' yelled Juniper as she ran to Old Witch Tubes. All three girls saw Tubes finish off a small group of imps, and she spun when she heard them call. They rushed to each other and hugged tight. "'What are you three doing here?' she asked sternly. "'Rescuing you, Granny,' said Tulsi. "'It's fine. We're fine,' said Mia. "'We've been with the ninjas. They're taking care of us.' Just then there was a loud boom and the scream of the red dragon coming from another room. Tubes whipped her head to the right and saw a large tunnel that the sound came from. It was right near where they were standing. The heroes were making good progress, beating down most of the enemies, but if the red dragon joined the battle, they wouldn't stand a chance. More stomping and more dragon screams were coming from the hallway. Tubes yelled to the girls, Get in one of those cells for now, quick! And Tubes pushed the three girls into the small prison cell that used to be hers, and she slammed the iron gate. Hey! yelled Mia. They saw Tubes go off into the fray to fight more beasts. And then they saw Goose the wizard run to the hallway opening where the dragon sounds were coming from. Goose pulled out his magic wand, which looked more like a fighting stick. He stood right in front of the opening and held up his hands. The face of the red dragon appeared from around the dark corner of the hallway, and it screamed at Goose. The dragon pulled his head back slowly and then blast forth a massive wall of flames. But the flames stopped short of entering the room. Goose was projecting a force field, keeping the dragon from entering. His flames were repelled by Goose's invisible wall of protection. But he was straining and already had to drop to one knee just to maintain the force field. We have to help him, yelled Mia. How do we get out of here? Juniper, find something in your bag to pick the lock with. Juniper began fumbling through her bag for anything that might fit into the keyhole. Tulsi interrupted and said, Hey guys, Granny didn't lock it. Just push. She pushed on the metal bars and it creaked open. Mia and Juniper rushed out with Tulsi following. Juniper and Mia stood up next to Goose and held their hands forward just like him. Their faces were thoughtful for a moment as they tried to get their magic in line with his magic. They had never worked magic with anyone but each other before, and now it was more important than ever. Casting spells with another person was kind of like playing Marco Polo, where you needed to find another person with your eyes closed, following the sound of their voice. Juniper and Mia closed their eyes and listened for Goose's magic. It wasn't difficult to find. They didn't know it. Even Goose didn't really know it. But he was one of the most powerful spellcasters in the entire land. And he was using all his force to hold back the red dragon. Mia and Juniper each fell to a knee and the three used all their magic and energy to hold up the force field. By now... The red dragon was whipping at the magic shield with his spiked tail. He was clawing at it with his poison talons. He was bashing it with his head and breathing fire. He was doing everything he could 
to get at these intruders who had snuck into his domain. Tulsi was standing behind the three wizards, waiting to protect them from anyone trying to get at them. All of the other heroes had thinned the room of enemies. Tulsi could see that most of the beasts were laying down, broken and battered. She even saw some running away down different hallways. The roar of the battle had quieted, and the biggest sound was the red dragon bashing at the magical force field. Goose and Juniper and Mia knew that the dragon would eventually get through. They didn't think about that when they started putting their magic into the force field, but now, as the magic shield was thinning and about to break, they knew it was going to explode, and they would need to find cover from the red dragon. They didn't have enough time or energy to think much about it, though. A second later, there was an explosion as the red dragon bashed at the magic shield and finally it broke in a rush of magical energy that knocked Mia, Juniper, Tulsi, and Goose into the middle of the room. Momo leaped up and stood on a table. The red dragon huffed and looked at the heroes for a moment. Taking note of his lair filled with his defeated army of beasts and the ninjas of Valleytown, Momo reached into his shirt and pulled out a sword handle, just the hilt with no blade. He held the handle up, and a glowing blue flame grew from it. This was the magical sword that Momo used during their first battle with the red dragon. In that first encounter, the sword drew on the magic of the rock fields, the magical place where the witches and wizards of Valleytown lived. Here, in the depths of the dark mountains, the sword was drawing on the magic of the red dragon's lair. All the evil wizards and beasts and ancient spells and dark hallways and the red dragon itself were powering the magical blue blade. The red dragon remembered that blade and it roared out in anger, blowing fire all throughout the room. The heroes ducked and hid behind overturned tables. There was a split second where the heroes were waiting for the dragon's first move and the dragon was waiting for the hero's first move. And the silence was broken by a thwip and a hissing sound as Tatiana shot an arrow at the dragon. The arrow hissed through the air and struck the dragon's shoulder. The dragon narrowed its eyes and rushed into the room to fight. Tatiana began launching arrows as fast as she could, one after another. The goblins all rushed the dragon and swarmed all over him, biting and clawing at his scales. Ben-Ben and Tubes moved Juniper, Mia, Tulsi, and Goose off to one of the jail cells. None of them were too badly injured. Juniper, Mia, and Goose, though, were completely drained of energy and couldn't fight or even stand up. Tulsi, stay here and keep an eye on your sisters, said Tubes, and then she rushed back out to battle the dragon. The ninjas were trying to strike at the dragon without getting too close. No one wanted to challenge its dangerous poison claws. They successfully avoided any powerful blows at first, but the dragon just seemed to be too much for them. He repeatedly swatted the heroes away, and they would crash into the walls of the cave. They were limping and fighting through incredible pain. Momo kept trying to land blows with the magical sword, but the dragon was too fast and would sidestep out of the way. A number of heroes were already out of the fight. After battling an entire room of beasts, they just didn't have it in them to face the red dragon. Eventually, Momo was the only one still standing that had any real chance at hurting the dragon. And even he thought maybe this was the end. But he climbed back onto a table, the magic sword in his hand. The dragon stalked around the table, and Momo waited for him to lunge, hoping to get one good whack at his neck. 
Momo furrowed his eyebrows as he heard more booming sounds off in the distance, coming from one of the big dragon tunnels. For a split second, Momo was thinking there were more beasts rushing through the caverns to finish them off. The red dragon, with his tooth-filled mouth open, lunged at the ninja master, and Momo pulled back his sword to attempt a final strike. But as the red dragon bounded toward him, Momo saw a flash of gray in the background. He watched as the gray dragon leaped from one of the dragon tunnels and directly onto the red dragon's back. The red dragon's scales were nearly impenetrable, but the gray dragon's claws stabbed deep into his back. The red dragon roared in pain and stood up on his hind legs, nearly reaching the ceiling of the huge cave room. Momo saw his chance. As the red dragon tried to claw the gray dragon off his back, Master Momo rushed in with the glowing sword held high, He leaped onto a table and from there leaped right into the red dragon, slashing away. A moment later, the red dragon fell to the ground, motionless. Out of breath, Momo also fell to the ground as the gray dragon walked among the wreckage of the room. He saw an entire goblin horde, the entire valley town, Dojo, Gray, Old Witch Tubes, Mia, Tulsi, and Juniper all laying on the ground, exhausted or injured or knocked out. It took hours for everyone to get themselves together. The group was battered and bruised and limping. But eventually, they all came to and began to gather their things for the journey back out through the mountain caves. The End I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I received a question from a listener that I want to share. This listener's name is Aaron. He says he's nine and from Texas. And Aaron wants to know, what happened to the big frog-faced goblin king? Did he just hang back or did he go with everybody? And that's a good question, Aaron. It's something that wasn't really mentioned in that last episode. I imagined that the old goblin king was a bit too stunned to follow the rest of the goblin horde. So he just hung back in the goblin lair, sulking a bit after uh, losing the goblin crown to Steve. If you have a question that you'd like to get answered during a future episode, just have your adult help you send an email to kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And I would also like to announce that all podcast episodes are now available on Spotify. Thanks for listening.